0: The world is a confusing place, filled with all manner of shimmering distractions, that take our conscious mind and our immortal souls and subvert them into the most basal of human emotions. Can any one of us, who considers ourselves a spiritual being, truly look around the carnival at the barkers, performers, and the caged animals, and believe? even momentarily, that any of this is as it should be. My name is Alan Bishop, the alchemist of the Black Forest of Indiana, distiller, historian, occasional tinker, reenactor, and your host of If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything. Everything. Have you ever noticed, the world isn't quite what it presents itself to be? That something is just a little off kilter, just a little out of focus. Perhaps that movement you caught out of the corner of your eye was more than a shadow, that weight on your shoulder more than fatigue. I have lived my whole life like this, aware, awake, and waiting for the next experience, positive or negative always apprehensive, always analyzing. I believe that spiritual warfare is real. I believe from societal observation that others are becoming acutely aware. I believe that many are being influenced by forces unknown in a negative and spiritually deprived way. I see soft disclosure in every corner of pop culture. Join us as we pull back the curtain, as the veil thins and reach with us into the ether to reclaim the truth, but if you have ghosts, you have everything.
1: Welcome back to If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything, and this is Kim and Alan, and we are joined tonight by Christopher Lewis from Paps Hilltop Distillery in Bainbridge, Ohio. Hi, Chris. How are you? Hi.
2: How
0: you guys doing?
1: Doing great. <laughs> doing
0: doing, doing good until she dropped her phone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank God. Thank God the floor is bouncy, right? <laughs> yep. Yep.
0: So, no, I'm I'm glad to have you on, and thank you for uh, for reaching out to us with. Uh, with your stories and and coming on the show because uh it's exciting a that people are starting to actually come forward to us with some of their, their experiences and stuff like that b that it's related to distillation and c that you know i haven't had you yet on either of the two podcasts so i'm gonna i'm gonna hit you up to be on distillers talk as well so
2: oh that sounds great
0: yeah so before we jump into the 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 paranormal stuff that you've got going on there um I'd kind of like to, to touch on your distillery and, and kind of actually, you know, even before that, a little bit of your background, how you got into distilling and then talk about your distillery as well as some of the products you have and where people can find them. So that, that way, maybe, you know, even when people listen to the show, they may be able to pick up a bottle and sit down and listen to your stories and have a drink of your products.
1: In honor of your spirits.
0: Yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. Thank you. Well,
2: I appreciate you guys having me on tonight and, uh, a little bit about our, our distillery. Uh, we're a small uh, micro distillery in a small village in southern Ohio named Bainbridge, Ohio. Um, town probably has about seven or eight hundred people living in it. Uh, my background: I've been a CPA here in Ohio for about 35 years. Um, my brother and I—we've always kind of were hobbyists as far as distilling go over the years, and. You know, we would go into Kentucky and Tennessee and take classes and, you know, really kind of do it for fun and had a great time doing it. And then about uh, probably six years ago, we started doing a joint product with uh, Sugarlands Distiller in Gatlinburg. Uh, my brother and I are honey farmers. We have we have a honey farm and we would bring their Sugarlands empty barrels up to Ohio and fill them for honey, age the honey in, in the barrels. And then... Mm-hmm. We would sell it back to Sugarlands, and you know we kind of, while we were down there delivering honey, they always they were always real cool about it, letting us play in the distillery area. So we'd go back there and spend a day at the distillery, and we were basically free labor for them for a, a, you know a few times, and kind of got the fever at that point. And uh, uh, before COVID uh, started the process as far as you know looking into actually opening a distillery, and uh, my wife and I bought our building in Bainbridge in May of 2020. We remodeled it and uh, actually operated as a gift shop for for a while while we waited for all of our paperwork to be approved for the distillery. Um, we got that approved in April of '22 due to COVID and all that. But uh, but uh, we're right now. I mean, we our main product is uh, what we call Knock'em Stiff Moonshine. <laughs> it's a multi-grain um, clear white moonshine, hundred proof. Um, we also have five other flavors of moonshine. We have blackberry peach, um, sangria, and uh, tropical punch, and one more I cannot remember for some reason. But uh, that's where we're at at this point. Now we are wanting to develop a uh, bourbon and also an apple brandy, so we're working on that. So, but we've uh, we've been selling since September first of twenty two. So we're, we're really really new at this. Uh, had a lot of uh, it's been a lot of fun going through the process and we're having fun with it now as we roll out and uh, the community has been great as far as supporting us and we we'll start we start our circle small and now we're branching out towards uh, Columbus, Chillicothe, Cincinnati area and starting to get some business from those folks so we get a lot of campers in our area so but that's kind of a little bit of a background of what what we are and what we do but uh, we have a lot of exciting things planned for the future and it uh, it's been a blast
0: sounds like you're headed the right way and that's that's always the trick you mentioned the campers if you're going to be a small distillery oh, you yeah. got to have a built-in audience and they're they're yeah. a great audience so yeah
2: they have been fantastic i mean yeah. we get a lot of people from all the cities uh we're right on route 50 uh, in Bainbridge, bridge right on the main drag so we're easy to find and uh, we get camper from you know cincinnati dayton columbus uh even uh, Kentucky and West Virginia so and, and uh, it, it's been great in getting to meet meet some of the folks and they have started to become loyal customers and made a lot of a lot of new friends so.
0: well Ohio is such an underrated state uh, as far as people not realizing how many distillers are there the quality yeah. of the distillers that are there and the history of distilling that was actually in Ohio yeah you know all the way down to the Fleischman's etc um, yeah. So it's nice to see, you know, I always say it's nice to see the traditional, you know, distilling states starting to make their comeback as well as some of the other states, you know, out West that are, you know, right. I, w- I would like to, I'd like to see us. I'd like to see Indiana and Ohio and Illinois sort of uh, displace, uh, Oh yeah. Uh, displace Colorado and right. Texas. I love my Colorado and Texas friends. I'm gonna get a yeah. bunch of hate mail for that. <laughs> but.
1: So I, I do have a question. Ohio is a control state, right? It is. So
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Is it harder to get your distillery permits and license in Ohio than it is in other states? Yeah, because of uh, that.
2: Definitely. Uh, we went through a process there. You know, we we actually got our federal permit in uh, November of nineteen and started the process with Ohio. Of course, with COVID hitting. Uh, Ohio would just not come out and do any inspection d- during the whole COVID fiasco. Um, uh, and and I mean, even going through the licensing process, I mean, that was difficult, but we're kind of at a disadvantage in Ohio because I can only sell you four, four bottles per person per day. And, uh, you know, that limit, uh, I mean, that's already kind of, you know, we run into that. Well, you know, around Christmas time, we'd have people come in and say, hey, I want to buy a case for Christmas presents. Well, I... I can only sell you four per day, per person. So, you know, little things like that. Uh, Ohio seems to be 20 years behind everybody else. And uh, I know we do have a a distiller's guild here in Ohio that uh, we're trying to pull together. And uh, we're hoping maybe as a group we can go to Columbus and get some of those rules updated and make it a little bit more friendly. That's
1: awesome. Indiana is just now starting to get a distiller's guild together. So, and Alan's been working on that with... Some of the other guys here in Indiana, so
0: yeah, the distribution system in Ohio is is definitely um, difficult. Now you guys it can is. do can do a little self distribution though too. Can you not?
2: Yeah, yeah, I can deliver. Uh, you know, if we have bars and restaurants that want to carry our products, if they got if they have the proper license, I can uh, deliver it to them. It's kind of weird though because I have a state liquor store within 20 miles. I can't deliver to him. He's got to go. I got to basically <laughs> take my product to Columbus and then he got to order from Columbus distribution and get it sent back to him, even though he's only 20 miles away from me. So
0: yeah, it really, really things be-
2: like that are just kind of, you know, need to be worked out.
0: Really becomes kind of four tier at that I, point. I know, instead that, of I,
1: I know that you've got like, you've got some of your bartender friends that want to get your stuff right, Alan. And they can't yeah. because of yeah. the import or what is it within the, yeah, it's not the, a, yeah, import, yeah because but, it's control
0: yeah. state and you have to get on the list now they've lightened yeah. up that a little bit but uh yeah. it's not you still it still almost becomes pay to play because it's a numbers game based on what yeah. the state thinks they can make the money off of right right so um but we do have a couple single barrels going into ohio luckily we've we've we have found a way to do that Good. Uh, I'm not even going to touch on details of that because I'm not entirely sure of the de-
1: <laughs> details. <Yes. laughs> and you know what'll happen as soon as this hits, you're going to get <laughs> <Right>. emails. <laughs>
0: right. What? Oh yeah.
1: yeah.
2: Uh, <laughs> so It's been a struggle. Where, I mean, like I said, the walk-in. We we rely entirely on walk-in traffic, um, you know, so far, and it's been great. Um, I'm a kind of a one-man. I only have a hundred-gallon pot still, so. Pretty much, I sell every drop I make. At this point, I got to I got to work on uh, trying to increase production at some point uh, this summer. But uh, I mean, it, it's been interesting.
0: Yeah, I always I, I joke around about what we have at Spirits of French Lick that uh, we're <laughs> we're in a weird gray area where we're we're not really big enough to be nationwide, and we're too small to just be associated with our just own regional.
2: State. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. kind of growing
0: pains yeah yeah and then you know if we do if we do any uh expansion there because i'm hard-headed i don't own anything there but it would i would definitely you know always push the pot still thing so it'll all be pot still and yeah we, we could add a second shift but even if we had a second shift we're gonna have to add a bigger cooker yeah and then we're gonna have to have more cooling water and then we're gonna have to have another stripping still yeah. and that's gonna <laughs> require a whole new boiler so yeah yeah they're gonna love, they love, love that yeah, yeah. exactly
2: well, I, I actually, Bainbridge is getting a new, uh, we, we don't have a sewer system. Our village is so small that we're just now getting a sewer system put through Bainbridge. So that kind of limited us adding on to our building and uh, mm-hmm. doing that now. So that's supposed to be done in, at the end of 23 so we can build on the back of our building and, you know, increase production by, uh, you know, building on the back then.
0: That's, that's the problem. That the, So our, our distillery is not in, in my county. It's it's in the county uh, just to the west of us. It's in Orange County, and we're in Washington County. And this really has nothing to do with anything other than the fact that uh, the reason there is not a distillery in Washington County is because they put in an industrial park probably 15 years ago uh-huh. that is underutilized. I think there's maybe four small businesses in there and two strip malls. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, wh- and Walmart the, right down the road. The problem is... They didn't upgrade any of their sewage treatment. Uh -uh. So who in the hell puts in, puts in an industrial (laughs) park, but doesn't upgrade their sewage treatment? Yeah, Yeah. somebody didn't think that went through. No, and that's why nobody's ever, no big business is ever going to go over there into that industrial park until there's some kind of sewage treatment plant that can actually handle things, right? Right. And and they'll do that if you offer them some incentives, but you got to offer them some incentives to actually come there. So. Yeah, but uh, one one of these years maybe maybe yeah. we'll see. Yeah. We'll hopefully we'll
2: be around to see it.
0: So, right. <laughs> well, all all that being said, uh, I think we're we're going to jump into some of your uh, your paranormal stories here. And Kim, I'm going to actually let you kind of lead this one because so I I consider Kim a podcaster podcaster in training. Yeah, <laughs> because she's pretty new pretty new to this, so she's got to see how I do a few of them now. So now I'm gonna actually let her lead this one. She got to pull Ooh. her email back up again. Just to pull just off
1: And I read it like on Monday, but a lot's happened since Monday. So I have to refresh my mind.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. So. And now you put me on the spot and anything that I had to say is gone. Well, you, <laughs> All right. So you've got some activity in your building um, mm-hmm. why don't you give us some of the history about the building
2: okay um, our building is a really neat old stone building that was built in 1896 right in the middle of Bainbridge um, the stone was actually quarried uh, on the hill behind our our building and uh, it's a really neat old stone building and uh, it uh, it was built by a lady a widow lady by the name of Victoria venner who operated a uh, ladies She she sold ladies hats in this building on the bottom floor and she lived on the second floor of my understanding. And, uh, we, we bought the building in uh, May of 2020, we modeled it and operated as a gift shop until we got our distillery up and running here in September. Um, the bill, we really didn't see or didn't really have much activity until the distillery opened. And I mean, the girls work in the store, you know, occasionally somebody would make a comment, Hey, you know, something flew off the shelf while I go kind of weird. And, <laughs> or, you know, so this clipboard fell off. I, you know, I it keep falling off every, every day. It's just little things like that. And, you know, I kind of accused the girls of hitting the sample too much. And you
1: know, <laughs> <laughs> what, what's
2: going on here, you know? And, uh, but we have one day where one of our regular, uh, customers, uh, Susan, she was. Uh, if you come to our store, or retail area, the ladies' room is right near the checkout area, and Susan was sitting with my wife and uh, my daughter-in-law Erin. They were kind of talking around the checkout area, and and they they said it sounded like somebody was in the ladies' room. You know, just the normal hustle, you know, bumping around noises. And they actually thought somebody was in there, but they waited. Nobody ever came out. Nobody ever came out. And so after a while, they stuck their head in the door. You know, nobody in the nobody in the room. The noise quit, and you know, it kind of give kind of showed them a little bit. But they they kind of joke around. They you know, they they named her Victoria, and and she's kind of the resident ghost. And uh,
0: you're gonna you're gonna have to name that still, Victoria. That's what it is. Well, I never thought about that. <laughs>
2: <Yeah. laughs> kind of weird because my still actually set where her hat display was. So I don't know if I pissed Perfect. her off by doing that. Or... <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: it's, it's it's funny too that you said, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to do some distillery related episodes too. That you that you know you said if you've been sampling too much, so you're gonna have to make it make your shirt with the still on it that says Victoria on it, and then on the bottom. <laughs> But do you have spirits or are you spirited?
1: I like it. I love it. Go. <laughs> yeah. So it? Uh, the history around the town, um, in your email, you mentioned that you think maybe she was, might've been a temperance lady and doesn't like that there's a distillery in the building.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of been one of our theories. Uh, the neat thing about Bainbridge, a lot of the residents have been there their whole life. I mean, we've had, We've got friends that we've made that have been there for 70 years and know they can, they'll come in the store. And and if you come into our distillery, we got some pictures that were donated by some of the local Mm -hmm. folks from where Bainbridge was back in the 1920s. And it's really a neat village. Uh, People are great there. Um, They've been very supportive. And, uh, you know, that's been one of the theories that maybe Victoria was a temperance lady. And, you know, we never had really anything going on until we started uh, selling the liquor. And then it's just kind of over the last few months it's kind of it's really increased quite a bit. That
0: seems and, uh, to so be I it mean yeah. it's a
2: very conservative town. Uh we we kind of you know you, you were talking about how difficult it is in Ohio to get licensed and uh we we were in the middle of the game and then we realized that our building our address was not zoned for was not dry, uh, was not wet so we had to uh, put, the, put it on a ballot right in the middle of our process and we were sweating bullets, but uh,
0: you maybe, know, maybe the, she was one of the ones that made sure. Yeah, that I mean, right.
2: Like that, everything right? that could go wrong. Yep. But, uh, you know, the town the town would, you know, dry and, you know, we kind of, we were just straight up with everybody and saying, look, we just found out that we got to put this on a ballot in May and, you know, can anybody give That's it a help? Scary. Well, the whole Right? Uh, the whole village came out and supported us. I mean, they had collect, well, that's awesome. collected signatures. Um, you know, they were just great. And we actually passed our ballot with about 85% in our favor. So
1: that's amazing.
2: Yeah.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Well, you're going to have to just tell Victoria that it's a flower making machine.
2: Yeah, there you go.
1: <laughs> or maybe corn. maybe
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Or the a flower making machine like from Andy Griffith. Yeah. I understand <laughs> what you <doing. laughs>
2: maybe uh, maybe making a lecture, not it's not liquor, it's a lecture, so maybe,
0: maybe you get you get your hat rack in there too and uh and put a few hats on it, you know. Yeah, we may yeah. do that. Maybe that'll calm yep. her down. So yeah, that'd be be part of your story too. Yeah.
1: So. right? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny.
2: Okay. but then um but it seems like the activity kind of increased and it, it seems a lot of it kind of happens when i'm in there by myself of course um i do i normally just still at night or on the weekend when the gift shop is closed just uh, you know I'm, I'm, I'm making a mess and i don't want to you know have to you know make a mess in front of the customers but um some, some of my first account encounters was going on late at night you know i'd be if you if you come into our building, you walk into the gift shop area, you go through an archway and that's our tasting area. And then we have another room off of the tasting area where I distill at. And I would sit in my chair by the still and you know, we're just sitting there waiting. And I would start hearing footsteps. And I'm, I am deaf as a board. I mean, anybody who knows me knows I cannot hear anything. You can sneak up on me and it's not a problem but i would hear footsteps behind me coming you know into the tasting area and you know i'd get up of course nobody's there and uh, that happened several times
1: and that's and always one unnerving
2: night, <laughs> yeah it was a little nerve-wracking and then one night i kept hearing it sounded like somebody was taking marbles and rolling across the bar hitting the floor rolling across the floor and I would get up and look, or I look on the floor, there's nothing there. There's nothing that rolled off the bar. And that was kind of weird.
0: Well, you know what that is. That's 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 for sure a kid's spirit. Some some kid got drug along to that to the to the damn hat store.
1: Right. <laughs> right. And playing marbles. Yeah. I didn't even think about that, but I bet that's probably it.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean somebody's keeping marbles off my ball bar there, so it's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the men's nice. room is right near the um Tasting area, and one night I was sitting there, and I heard something fly across, like on the middle of the floor. And I got up to investigate, and it was actually a piece of wood trim off the bathroom door that somehow come. Off, I mean, it didn't just fall off; it shot her across the room oh wow and that kind of yeah. freaked me out about two o'clock in the morning so.
1: uh yeah
0: <laughs> i guarantee it yeah you, yeah. you go, you're gonna going back to the marble thing you, you, along with the hat rack and put you out a bowl of mar- marbles out there set you there up mar- there marble board of marbles yep. or something i'm telling you you got if nothing else from a marketing perspective you have got play play marbles got, with
1: our ghost yeah. there you go <laughs>
0: You have got Vic- Victoria, the semi-friendly ghost. <laughs> yeah, just like said, uh,
2: you hadn't done anything to me. Just don't a offer or... a
1: drink.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I think I don't know if he's curious or you know what's going on. And then uh, you know, probably the the spookiest thing to happen. Um, I was probably a couple of months ago. I was in there on a Sunday afternoon. I uh, was running, you know, sitting beside the uh, still. Uh, running that and uh, my wife had gone to church that morning and normally after church she'll stop in check on me or you know drop off lunch or, you know something like that and it was about 12 30 one o'clock and you know i, I hear footsteps i mean heavy footsteps. footsteps maybe maybe you can explain i don't understand how a ghost can make footsteps or because if, if they're a spirit or a mist or whatever there's no mass but, I mean, these footsteps were coming, they were just coming from the gift area, just a plain of day, come through the store, come into the tasting area and stop right outside the door where the, uh, where the uh, still room is.
1: Right. And, you know,
2: I just assumed it was my wife stopping in after church, you know, checking in on me. And uh, I say something to the effect of, hey, babe, you know, good, you know. And I, I'm, I'm dumping some rye into my cooker. So I had to bucket up. And I'm dumping dump Ryan into my cooker. And I turn around to say hi to my wife. Well, I see a face kind of lean, you know, it kind of basically, it was peeking around the corner of the door.
1: Kind of looking around the, the door disparity. jam.
2: What's like, that? Like kind of looking around the door jam. Yeah, like just peeking around the corner. And, you know, and it it's plain as day. I mean, it was somebody was in the store. And you know, kind of, it kind of spooked me because I thought I locked the door. And so I put the bucket of rye down. I stepped outside. I thought somebody had walked in off the street. Yeah. And uh, no nobody's there. And uh, so Victoria, that kind of Victoria is a
0: little bit of a Karen ghost. That's what <laughs> it is. <laughs> kind of, kind of nosy. Yeah. yeah. Large. I mean,
2: and, and it was what was real, I mean. I saw whoever it was leaned around the corner, looked in, and pulled back real quick. And you know, I. I stepped out nobody's there but what was really weird is one of the ladies in town bought a picture of victoria in that week and i'm convinced that that was who peeked around the corner
1: absolutely that was. i did see a
2: face <laughs> and uh, it, it was solid though it was just like uh you know
0: mm-hmm.
2: no different than my wife peeking around the corner like i thought it was so. and
0: and often even if you can't make out a face if somebody shows you a picture of somebody like that you can you can feel their energy yeah
1: you can yeah. feel their energy from the picture and then, yeah. You,
2: yeah, because I mean, when when my wife showed me the picture, just like, you know, just like a, I don't know how to describe it. It's just a rush or whatever, because that was the face that peeked around the corner at me.
0: Hey guys, Alan Bishop here, the alchemist of Indiana's Black Forest, co-host of Distillers Talk, host of the One Piece at a Time Distilling Institute, and your host of If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything. Are you interested in the distillation of homemade spirits? We're not here to talk about the legality of that or any of the gray area. What we are here to talk about, however, is the fact that the next wave of craft distillers is made up of people like you. That's right, home distillers that are pushing the envelope with very unique recipes, very unique processes, and regionally appropriate spirits. So, if this is something that interests you, I've got something that I think you'll wanna check out. My good friend Wayne Herbert at Ozark Steelworks Wayne himself is a home distiller, and he's designed some very unique, very cool distillation process equipment. It's all modular with tricloves, etc., and you can switch it out onto any kind of boiler that has a triclove or is triclove adaptable. Two unique pieces of equipment that Wayne has already designed that I am in the process of reviewing for the one piece at a time distilling institute are first and foremost, the appropriately named Shocker. This is an external coil deflamator, so as opposed to a shotgun style deflamator, the coil on this is on the outside. It can be a 2 inch or a 3 inch model, and believe it or not, in the experiments we've already tried, even without packing or plates, you can reach proofs of 170 proof on a single pass distillation. That's pretty damn impressive. It also looks steampunk as shit. The next piece of equipment that Wayne's already got on hand, and these are ready for sale, or they can be in short order, is what we're currently calling the Mr. Fusion, in a nod to Back to the Future. The Mr. Fusion is a pot-still style head. It's not quite an onion shape, it's more of a diamond, it's a beautiful piece of equipment that you'll be seeing a lot on the One Piece at a Time Distilling Institute, the head itself is worthwhile for pot still distillation, but inside that head is also a small deflamator for either single pass distillation and or plated distillation and or just raising your proof in your purity. Listen, Wayne's got other stuff in the works too, including an inline, reloadable, bypassable, high efficiency, small scale thumper unlike anything currently out there on the market. The other cool thing about Wayne is he is not afraid to answer your questions about distillation and nor is he afraid to tackle a new project. If you have an idea for a piece of equipment that does not exist out there on the market, Wayne has the fabrication skills as well as the backup with my testing at the One Piece at a Time Distilling Institute to design whatever you might have in mind. If this interests you, then check out Ozark Stillworks on Facebook Or, drop Wayne a line at ozarkstillworks at gmail.com. Tell him that Alan Bishop sent you over. Hey guys, if you've been following my career at all, or following the If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything podcast, you've probably also heard about my other shows, distillers talk as well as the one piece of the time distilling institute one thing you may not be aware of however is that we actually have a separate website called the and the really cool thing about the is we have our very own store there it's called the warehouse one and you can go there right now and pick up all your christmas gifts or if it's after the new years or even before if you're at all into if you have ghosts or you're into the art ...of distillation, you can go to the Warehouse One right now and buy various different, if you have ghosts, you have everything, and uh, one piece at a time, Distilling Institute, apparel, and or merchandise, things such as shirts, and hats, and stickers, and my book, The Alchemist Cabinet Philosophy, Volume One or the two DVDs we're currently offering. A Short History of Distilling in Indiana's Black Forest is delivered in a speech to uh, the Salem Depot and or the Alan Bishop Experience documentary directed and produced by Bo Cumberland and Jolie Kasperzak. There's all kinds of cool stuff over there. I even occasionally have some extra distillation slash homebrewing related materials such as staves or yeast or unique grains that I offer over there. There's going to be all kinds of new stuff coming up. Kim and I are actually working on an oracle deck specifically for if you have ghosts, you have everything and our spiritual work with this podcast and personally that'll be up before too long. So please go over to thealchemistcabinet.com and place an order. All that money obviously goes back into this show as well as into the One Piece of the Time Distilling Institute and it helps our family out. This is one of the ways that we pay for our bills and also pay for our hobbies, such as all the software we use for this podcast, etc. We really appreciate your support. We love you guys and we'll catch you soon.
1: Yeah. Now, in your email that you sent us, there's some family connection, isn't there?
2: Yeah, yeah. We found out after we bought the building, we found out that Victoria is actually my wife's great-great-aunt. Um, so that was kind of neat. Um,
1: so she's scolding at the same time. She's, she's not just judging that it's a distillery. Yeah. She's scolding because there's that blood memory there.
0: Yeah. yeah. So well, it's, it's been uh, interesting it's it's definitely interesting so you 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 mentioned the thing about you you didn't necessarily know you know how a ghost would have that that physical effect but uh and you say that everything ramped up uh once the distillery kind of got going and everything right well you know that's one of the things i talk about with distillation one of the reasons why i love the art of distillation so much is because yeah, distilled spirits the name is there in in the title right it's spirits mm-hmm. right it's the spirit of whatever you're distilling. you're concentrating it. so there's there's energy there and then there's the energy of a new distillery starting up you guys being excited you know whether it be a positive excitement or a negative excitement with worrying about it being a dry town and all that stuff yeah. and yeah. that the more and more that there is the more and more energy there is and something that's not popular to talk about on uh paranormal podcasts nowadays seemingly but i do very much so believe exists. I think that there are mechanisms for them to obviously play into the physical world where they can sometimes. And I think that that mechanism is what they called back in the spiritualist day ectoplasm, which is a real thing. It's not a thing that was made up for Ghostbusters. Right. It is something that is somewhere in between the ethereal plane and the physical plane. And the more energy they feed off of, the more that becomes something they can interact with. They disrupt the the
1: magnetic field too. Yeah like that you can use like what they call emf meters and you can actually when there's a spiritual situation happening that meter will fluctuate now that's very obvious that you can it can be something tangible something real as well Mm -hmm. like if you have unshielded wiring in your building or whatever or something like that that will trigger it or like even this equipment sitting here on the table in front of me the the uh anything that's got electricity running through it that will pick up on it as well but if you've got all of that off and that's why these teams when they go into buildings they shut everything off they'll trip the main Mm -hmm. in the building so that there's no electricity running through it so if you turn everything off and you have that emf meter and it goes off yeah yeah where is that energy coming from
0: you may may have to uh Cause it doesn't sound like she's, she's threatening or anything. She's maybe, maybe a little, like you said, scolding and she
1: might have something to say, Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, it <laughs> might be it.
0: interesting. It might even be worthwhile to, to, to take that picture you had of her, maybe put it up in, in like a, uh, in the area around the bar or even the bathroom away from the alcohol and put something on it about uh, you know, making sure that you're, you're being temperate with your alcohol consumption and being responsible. Victoria
1: requests that you consume responsibly. Yeah. There you go.
0: No, Victoria's <laughs> watching this <so> we- <laughs> yeah. yeah she sees everything in this yeah building. oh my <laughs> yeah, my wife go when you talked about her looking around the corner and I said she was a Karen she my wife goes I don't know if you heard her she said Marge and the reason she said that is because I, I accuse my wife all the time she's got different personalities so she's her ancestry is is uh German on both so sides <laughs> if she's being if she's being a little mean I call her Olga or Helga but uh <laughs> She does this thing where if I'm on the phone, like it doesn't matter who I'm on the phone with. And it's not that she doesn't trust me. It's just that she's curious. I'll be on the phone in the middle of a consult call or a meeting or something. She has has determined that she has to poke her head in here. She can't not do it, but she'll say, who are you talking to? And so I started calling her Marge because we had, um, when I grew up, I grew up in the trailer park and the trailer park manager who I I love very dearly, her name was Margie and uh margie was notorious for she kept a tight rein on this trailer park all the way down to it was well known that if you rented a trailer and you didn't own the trailer she would definitely be going through your trailer if you were at work
1: (laughs) well and then we we are the first house on a long lane as well and so his mom and dad live at the top of the hill and then his Ex step cousin is the house in between, and so and his ex step cousin is out of town all the time doing work. So I watch the driveway oh, yeah. all she's, day. She's just mm. like
0: Margie. And she's at those if, she, if it's
1: a vehicle, she, I don't recognize or she, don't know. I'm texting people. Who's she, this? She, <laughs> yeah, who
0: this? <laughs> he can hear a piece of gravel move an eighth of a mile away, and she's at those blinds. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know, we're in we're in rural Indiana, and we've got this. Train track that's abandoned behind the house, and so you don't oh, know yeah. who's wandering through or who's yeah. going back. And I, and you know, we trust it, it, all of it, our neighbors, it's, it's in the random world, people that make you nervous, I don't know. It does.
0: Now, this, this familial connection, by the way, kind of diving back into that real quick. So are there any, you know, family stories that have been passed down about Victoria or anything? Gives you any, any idea of the kind of, kind of mindset that she had as a person?
2: No, I mean, only uh, what some of the local folks have said. Um, I know she was married to, the gentleman she was married to was a local doctor, uh, Doc Benner, and I guess he was quite a bit older than her. So um, they had a farm outside of town, And but I don't know if at some point when Doc Benner passed away, she built the building and moved into town at that point. Uh, But uh, we haven't heard too much as far as from the family about it, but just some of the local folks that have been there for forever and ever So,
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. What about, um, and this is just me being curious about things because I'm always curious to connect, you know, physical things to those who are not here, but they're apparently here so what about the the hats and stuff do you know if there's anything like that that's still around any anything
2: uh, we haven't i mean we've uh we've just recently got the picture of victoria that, that came from i mean it's it, uh it's an old picture that somebody had at one time so we do have that in the distillery now so I, I mean i think it's a good idea to maybe try to find somebody that might i mean bainbridge does have a historical society so i may check with them and see if maybe they have Something from you know her old store, or an old hat, or something like that, to put yeah. in there.
0: Yeah, because we it's, do it's, have some it's...
2: artifacts. I mean, one of the walls in our on our distillery, um, when we were remodeling, uh, there was a local antique uh, antique shop that had been there forever and ever. And at the time we were remodeling, uh, the the building that had the old antique place fell in and we were able to get the floor, the old floor from the antique store. And that's, that is now our wall in our retail area. So we, a lot of the, a lot of things in our store have been preserved from, you know, different old buildings in town, so. Yeah.
0: So a lot like uh, Jared Leon Henry, right. when we had him, yeah. on, yeah. he was bringing in various things and there may be connection, that may be the marble right. connection as well, who knows? It, yeah. yeah,
1: because, and especially with things that are like natural substances like Natural stone and natural yeah. wood; those things tend to absorb and hold on to spiritual energy. Yeah. And yeah, like so
2: with our, with our and, building, I mean, the stone. Uh, one of the guys crawled underneath the building to work on it. And I guess our our uh, footstones of the building is the size of a Volkswagen. I mean, I don't know how they wow. made, you know got those stones out of the hill. But uh, if you uh, ever stop by the place, you'll see the, the entire building is made out of stone. Uh, the walls are made out of the wood from the old antique place. is probably 150 years old. Now that that's our wall in our retail area now. So, and then we got a lot of old pictures that people have bought in from, you know, Bainbridge back in the 19 early 1900s, and we have those in there. So,
0: very cool, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I am I am curious. Uh, so. Is this, is this the first thing that you've ever, you know, had happen, you know, regarding the paranormal? Or have you ever had anything? And it, that could be anything, you know, it doesn't just have to be ghosts. It could be, you know, UFO stuff or, you know, Bigfoot or any of those things aren't off limits to us. But right. have you ever had anything else in your life happen that you thought was a little strange? Yeah,
2: I mean, uh, I mean, it's kind of a family joke on, on the Lewis side. Uh, our family's from Southeast Kentucky down around Letcher, Harlan County.
0: Yeah, and, my family's from Clay, so.
2: Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, I've been there many times um but we have a reunion every year uh on labor day weekend so you know we go down we stay at a, a an old inn that was well with you being from clay county you know that a lot of the towns down there were built by the coal mine back in the mm-hmm. early 1900s they built the school they built the hospital the company store and everything well there's a little town called venom in Harlan county yep and uh, venom, the old school is now a a inn. Somebody converted it to a, a little inn, and you know it's always been rumored that uh, you know it was haunted, and uh, and we've had some we've had some scary uh, episodes down there. We go down there every September for the reunion, and you know uh, I know there was one night we were in the in the room, my wife and I were, and uh, you know she woke up kicking and screaming at about two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And she she swears to this day that somebody held her feet down and she couldn't get out of bed. Mm-mm. Nope. Well, <laughs> the,
1: and then them East Kentucky, East Southeast Kentucky haints are uh, they're a different breed yeah. of. Well, those those yeah. those yeah.
0: mountains are, they're they're are old, old they're mountains old and they're full of tragedy. Yeah. I mean, we're all sadness. from
2: Wales and uh, you know English Wales, the Scottish. Yeah. And uh, but it, it really, every time we, we stay at the Bentham Inn at least once a year. Uh, I mean, it. it uh, my sister-in-law and my brother were down there one time, and my sister-in-law come running out of the tower, screaming. She swears that somebody scratched scratched her down the back, and and she packed her bags and she got the hell out of there that morning. She was not staying around for another day. And then I don't blame her. I don't either. Yeah, yeah I mean it, it scared her pretty bad. We, my wife and I have a uh, a special needs daughter, um, and. Every time we stay at the men, she's up all night giggling, talking to somebody. So, you know, we always laugh and say, you know, you know, Aaron Lee's making friends, but uh, you know, it's it's it kind of weird that uh, and it uh, seems like she's very sensitive to that kind of thing and uh, Well, yeah. and
1: most most who don't have the same filters as we do.
2: Yeah. The more the, the
1: more the neurodivergent people, as we would say, that yeah. they don't have the same filters as the neurotypical people do. Yeah. They are more susceptible to it. They can see things. They can hear things. They can perceive yeah. things on a different wavelength. Yeah. And sometimes they what would scare us is not necessarily something scary at all. Oh, we're yeah. just perceiving it differently.
2: Yeah. You'll yeah, giggle and laugh. And, you know, yeah. it's just I mean. All hours of the night, and uh, she's I think she is very sensitive with that kind of thing. And uh, but uh, I mean, that there was one room at the Benham men on the corner, we've stayed in that a couple of times. And every night, probably between two or three o'clock in the morning, you'll get a loud knock on the door, and you get up, and nobody's there. And I, it's happened to me several times, and anymore, if I i won't even get out of the bed to open the door, the <laughs> yeah, I'm not giving it. you and the energy, yeah, about it's like what the hell
1: in the mountains. That would freak me out, especially around the coal mines. Freaking Tommy knockers! No thank you. No <laughs> oh. thank you. <laughs> right.
0: well, that sounds like a place we need to go check out. We're, yeah, we're you here. need to check it out. They, they've they've uh, they've been
2: they've had some ghost uh, paranormal investigators go down there, and you know they've they've been some filming down there. But that's it's a it's a really neat. I mean, Benham probably doesn't have three hundred people to live in it, but it's a neat. My grandfather worked for uh, the mine. In Benham. Um trying to think of the name of the company that it's a real common oh. It's a real common name for the company that founded Benham. But uh Mm -hmm. it's really it's a neat little town. They have the old company stores still there, the little theater is still there from the coal mining days. And of course the the inn, uh, I know I've been
0: through there once when I was a kid with my grandpa, but it's been that's been a long time ago for sure yeah but yeah we're, we're we're looking at doing some stuff like that i know we've got um we currently have i i think an invite out from the story in potentially to in yeah National, we're just waiting Indiana. to hear
1: back on uh, on that from yeah. their property manager from the owner so yeah. okay. I'm,
0: okay, i'm curious too you you having that that uh eastern kentucky connection so my of yeah. course you know i didn't grow up there or anything i'm, I'm i always say even though my my uh so my mom's side of the family, they are all from Clay County, from Oneida is where they're all from. So, okay, I
2: know where that is. Or yeah.
0: or, or as, they, as they say it, Oneida. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Oneida. And then my dad's family's all from Greensburg, Kentucky. So my dad's, okay. dad's family's been up here since uh, the 1940s. My mom's family's been up here since, I guess, maybe the 60s. So uh, even though uh, my family's kind of been here for three generations, I'm mm-hmm. really the first generation Hoosier. Uh, yeah. And even though everybody's known my family for three generations, I always say I'm still like the outsider up here. I, but there uh, you go. that being said, my grandpa was always telling me stories, and I'm curious if you ever heard anything like this. So one of the stories, and I've not ever told this on the podcast. I told Kim before, and I've, I've correlated. Are
1: you the one that got us freaked out whenever we were walking down the lane from the cabin. Oh, no, I'll do that. I'll do
0: that one it's, its own episode because that was its own. It's own thing. <laughs> My grandpa told me a story and I've correlated it with something that's, that's more modern in paranormal circles here recently. But he talked about a thing that the old timers and who knows, you know, some of these stories, I believe that there's, there's a lot of truth to them. Some of them might've been stories, keep kids in bed at night. I don't know. Right, there you go. But, uh, he told me a story about a thing that they called the grave digger and mm. for all intents and purposes, it sounds like this thing did exactly what it, its name implies um but he described it very much so as looking like a kind of a modern werewolf Mm -hmm. and there's there's obviously you know a modern phenomenon i don't know i don't think it's a modern phenomenon but a lot of people reporting this thing they call dog man etc
1: and and
0: and not that you 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 might have experienced anything like that but any ever anything hear anything weird about the woods or any kind of creatures like that down there um it
2: was always uh you know we're growing up uh you know, there's always stories about ghosts and haint. They call them haint down there, uh, the haunts. Uh, um, you know, ladies in the woods. Uh, you know, yep. I, I remember my grandpa talking about. Uh, he was a big coon hunter. You know, he he would walk those mountains, and you know, it was not unusual for them to come across something. You know, that ghost or haunt or haint or whatever they called them. So, um, yeah, it it's it, it got a interesting history down there. So
0: yeah absolutely actually it's it's funny that we just brought this up because the story just came to mind i'm not going to tell it tonight because i got to get the whole story i forgot about this forgot about it, forgot about it my dad's uncle or great uncle was a coon hunter and you get good stories from coon hunters because they're oh, out yeah. at, they're out at night and they're out in places that nobody <laughs> ought to be even during the damn daytime right shouldn't be there but he uh he and his dog Saw something. They didn't know what it was. Considered UFO, whatever. I got to get the whole story. I don't want to give all the details now.
1: I know which one you're talking about. The one that was on KET that time.
0: Yes. And the dog <laughs> ran up underneath the bed and stayed underneath the bed. I don't remember for how long it was, but I've got you know, how to find... Get the other dog go out and not come and back. Not come back. Yeah. I got to find... I got to get the details on that because so, I completely I can forgot Remember
1: that now. We saw, and we were just randomly watching a show on KET about haunted places and whatnot mm-hmm. and that was on it and yeah you, and, and nobody had like, ever
0: mentioned that shit to me ever and not one day in my life had anybody there? ever. feels right. no, and, and yeah.
1: like that's my relative i've heard this story before <laughs> yeah. and i'm like okay
0: now there have been several
2: episodes filmed in benham and uh my family farm is on pine mountain kentucky
1: i know where pine mountain is and you know where
2: pine mountain is i yep, do we, still we, drive, have the, we, we
1: drive through, through the farm there and we go, family. go to my hands in tennessee
2: oh that's yep. awesome The funny thing about our farm, uh, family farm, uh, my great uncle was a moonshiner, and he moonshined with a relative of ours called Willie uh, Sturgill. Well, Willie was blind, a blind Willie. We had we had a blind moonshiner in our family, and uh, the story goes he got busted with a thousand gallon steel underneath the house. Poor blind Willie didn't see didn't see the police coming, so. <laughs> but anyway, when Blind Willie got sent to prison, my grandpa bought this farm because uh, Blind Willie's going up the river here. He, he's got to get rid of his stuff. So, but uh, Grandpa bought the farm back in, I think, the late 1930s. And we still have that farm in our family now. I mean, it was one of the themes where my dad and his brothers and sisters would never sell it. So now it's down to, there's about 20 of us cousins now that own it now. But we still have that farm in Lester County on Pine Mountain. So.
0: Yeah, it's that's like our place down in Oneida. It's uh, it's it's been passed down generation and generation. I don't I don't know how even how many of the cousins are still alive. I know right. there's only yeah. three or four of us left, but right, uh, you know they don't. Uh, the ones that, unfortunately, the ones that stayed down there haven't had a good track record because of all the you know you know how it yeah. is. So yeah.
2: oh yeah 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 but, it's sad, uh, it's sad. Yeah. I mean that's it's, uh My dad came to Ohio in 1957, and you know at that time my grandpa had. Uh, he broke his back in the mines and dad was like look i see the life you know i'm, I'm gonna go to ohio and try to make a better life for myself and uh, mm-hmm. and it unfortunately you know a lot of my cousins down there you know they they, they either do very well or you know i've got some cousins that have done very well and i've got some other cousins that haven't done so well so but you're right yeah. uh, it, it's that
1: seems tough. to be like for eastern kentucky that seems to be like the path that they take they yeah because like, didn't your grandpa go to ohio for a while
0: yeah Yeah, he ended. He was in Cincinnati for a little while before he Mm -hmm. ended up over here. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, actually, uh, yeah, my, I think for almost, I think almost five years, I Mm -hmm. think, uh, because mom lived there for a little while. No, it's it's funny because we, you know, it's not funny economically what's happened down there, and and you know the thing, and it happens all over the United States now. But there's always been a joke in my family, at least on the bishop's side, (laughs) because. You know they they left greensburg because you know there ain't no major highway that goes through there there's no industry yeah. everything kind of died out you know the joke was because there there were several of them that came up here to live to get jobs working mostly for kimball's uh furniture company mm-hmm. but the joke has always been at the family reunions that the the ones that got they got smart enough to learn how to swim across the river went ahead and <laughs> crossed the river <laughs> So, my, gran- my
2: grandpa came up, uh, my great grandpa came uh, to Ohio back in the, I think it was in the 40s. Um, we came to a little town called Hillsboro, Ohio, which is where my office is actually. And he got, uh, he actually got in trouble for stabbing the guys, So he had to run back to Kentucky after he did that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so a couple
2: of generations went by before they came back up here. So
0: Yeah. Yeah. I had a, my, my great grandfather on my mom's side, a kind of, kind of similar story, except he had to leave Kentucky because he was told by the sheriff and a, and a certain, very oh, fam- yeah. certain, very famous lawman. And I'm going to use this story for a product in the future that, the next time that he showed up out there, that one of them was leaving in a casket.
2: Oh! And so,
0: I don't know. I don't know the whole story with the Barger side of my family. I just know from the genealogy that I've done. Uh, I'm pretty sure I know where my mean streak comes from. <laughs> so i'm not i don't think i'm nearly as mean as any of them or i mean there was one of them direct line to send it. they they named uh Stepin jesse barger and i don't know exactly what that means but i don't think it's a necessarily a positive dancing Probably term not. <laughs> <laughs> so but uh yeah this has been this has been an absolute pleasure and i want to get you like i said i want to get you on distillers talk and uh get okay. you on there with christy and and we'll do the deep dive on the distillery and all the plans you have for the future etc and listen as you're uh you're talking to relatives or as you even as you have experiences there at the distillery or people have experiences Mm -hmm. at the distillery yeah keep us keep us updated if you ever come across any great stories let us know i'll be glad to have you back on and even if it's a a 10-minute segment we'll just have you on for 10 minutes you can tell a story and we'll make a compilation so yeah sounds
2: great great. awesome
0: well i'll tell you what uh uh so we we cut we went through all the stories you talked about the distillery a little bit if you would, uh, kind of tell people where they can find you as far as the Internet goes and that stuff, if you guys have a web page or anything like that.
2: Yeah, um, we do have a web page where, where we've got the basics up now. We're working on that now it's at, at Um The distillery is located at 117 East Main Street in downtown Bainbridge, Ohio. Uh, U.S. Route 50 actually runs right down, right in the middle of Bainbridge. So Main Street is actually U.S. 50. So we're easy to find uh we're in a stone building as you come into bainbridge uh, halfway through you'll see a stone building on the right near the post office in the dairy queen so uh, we're easy to find and uh, like i said right now our hours are thursday friday saturday uh, we're open thursdays 10 to 4 saturday friday and saturday during the winter we're going to be open 10 to 6. Uh, in the summertime we'll probably be open later hours but uh Right now, we're, just, we're, we're open for business th- Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm normally in there you know, on the weekends or late nights uh, making products. Uh, but we'd love to have everybody stop by and visit with us. And uh, we are on Facebook. If you, if you look up Paps Hill Top Distillery on Facebook, uh, please uh, you know, give us a like and you can follow. We normally post several times a week on that uh, Facebook site, so you can kind of keep up with us with that. So.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I will definitely make it over there sometime. I'm gonna. There's three states that I'm gonna have to go and just spend like four or five days in all three: right. Ohio, <laughs> Pennsylvania, and Texas. Oh uh, yeah, between the people that I and and probably Colorado to some degree too, but uh, it seems like I there's an uh, there's a disproportionate amount of people that I'm friends with that are distillers between, particularly Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Texas. Right.
2: So, oh, cool. Um, <laughs> look,
0: you know, it's it's ironic. I think, uh you know you you got roots in kentucky and ended up in ohio and a lot of those other guys i know did too i have roots in kentucky and ended up in indiana and uh most of texas was settled by hoosiers that originally came from kentucky so Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think there's there's something in our
2: blood it seems like so
0: oh yeah yeah and, and then once you wake it back up it won't shut off yeah you got that right <laughs> it won't never shut off it don't it don't shut off when i want to go to bed i wish yeah. i would sometimes <laughs> i'll be laying in bed just damn near asleep and i'll be like you know what you could do Yeah. <laughs> so. that's where
2: great ideas come from
0: that's right that's right <laughs> Well, all right, sir. I appreciate it. And uh, no, thanks I, for
2: having me on. I'll
0: get you, get uh, Christy, your email and we'll get you some dates out for Distillers Talk shortly. Okay. Sound great. Hey, what's up, guys? It's great to be back with. If you have ghosts, you have everything, season two. You might have noticed from the show that we absolutely love to collaborate with our friends. Well, it turns out that some of our good friends in the distilled spirits industry just happened to have delved into my second favorite beverage class, coffee. But not just any coffee, barrel-aged coffee, aged exclusively in Kentucky bourbon rickhouses using unique barrels so when I came across two unique 15 gallon chinkapin oak barrels to use for the one piece of the time distilling institute channel on YouTube I knew that their next stop would be with John Waddell and Corey Welch of Staven Bean Coffee Company the first barrel was second filled with apple wood smoked malted corn whiskey for nine months before unique Brazilian beans were aged prior to their roasting This is the the one-piece-at-a-time Distilling Institute brand. Unique, buttery, and slightly smoky. It just turns out that it pairs great with an episode of Distillers Talk podcast. See what I did there? That's cross-marketing. The second barrel had to have a little something special for Kim and I and be part of, if you have ghosts, you have everything. So when a close personal friend approached us about making him some homemade blackberry wine, we jumped all over it. We took that blackberry wine and we added it to that 15 gallon barrel. Then we fortified that wine with some white apple brandy to make a fortified blackberry wine, a blackberry port if you will. Afterwards, that barrel went down to John and Corey of Staven Bean Coffee Company where they added some amazing Ethiopian Guji beans, giving us a fruit aroma filled spiritual experience with our coffee. For if you have ghosts, you have everything. Both of these coffees are exclusive to thealchemistcabinet.com and staveandbean.com, and they'll never be replicated again. Get yours today and enjoy it while you listen to the show. Love y'all. Later. Hey, as always guys, we hope that you enjoyed tonight's episode of If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything. But as we've done with the last couple episodes, we wanted to give you a little bonus segment. And it seems like the cemetery lore stuff works pretty well for that and you guys enjoy it. So tonight, we turn to TalkDeath.com. An article titled Cemetery and Graveyard Trees. Folklore, Superstition, and History. We're gonna kinda condense this article a little bit, but I found this one very interesting. So we start with yew trees. The yew tree may be the most well-known and recognizable cemetery tree in Europe. Yew trees are known for their ability to thrive in almost any soil condition and can withstand harsh weather. These attributes are why many yew trees have lived for thousands of years. Yew trees have a rich history that's rooted in Pagan and christian storytelling according to pagan lore yew trees are sacred to hecate the greek goddess of death witchcraft and necromancy in myth it's said that the yew purifies the dead as they arrive in hades also known as the underworld britain's best guides writer and blue badge heart of england tour guide sean Callery adds that the celtic druids also used yew trees in their death rituals Yew trees are the stars of many UK's churchyards and burial grounds. For example, two yew trees have grown into a wall featuring a side doorway at St. Edward's Church in Stowe. Seeing as Christian churchyards house many yews, it's not surprising that there is symbolic connection to that faith. For example, a yew tree's heartwood is a reddish-orange-brown, and its sapwood is a pale yellowish-white hue these colors symbolize the blood and body of Christ, Callery writes. As a hardy evergreen tree, able to survive on infertile soil, the yew also suggested to Christians, rebirth and resurrection. You needles and bark are poisonous to most animals and people. And although the flesh of the trees bright red berry is not toxic, the berry seed is poisonous. These parts of the tree contain taxine, an alkaloid poison, According to one study, a dose of 100 grams of chopped leaves could kill an adult. Calorie rights, possible poisoning served as a solid reason for people to keep their cattle out of graveyards, which helped preserve graveyard grounds. In addition to playing a prominent role in human spirituality, the yew tree has a history that's steeped in superstition. According to Royal Parks, some people would carry yew branches at a loved one's funeral. Mourners would then tuck the yew sprig into the deceased coffin. Some people thought the yew sprig would bring eternal life. Robert Turner, the 17th century translator of mystical and medico-chemical texts, said that some people at the time believed that yew branches could draw and imbibe the gross and oligoneous vapors exhaled out of the graves by the setting sun. Yew branches also supposedly helped Deter ghosts and apparitions Turner discovered that Superstitious monks believed That the yew could drive away devils Too While the yew tree is the prominent tree in many UK Cemeteries and churchyards The cypress tree also known as The mournful tree Was and continues to be The cemetery tree In ancient and modern Muslim And European societies According to scholar Saba, Alibrahim, Dacordi, Cypress trees are known for their ability to grow in any type of climate and are considered very resilient. He writes that in Iranian culture, Cypress trees as well as olive trees come from heaven. While Greeks and Romans thought the tree was related to the gods of hell, Zoroastrians considered the Cypress tree to be a symbol of immortality and deathlessness. While later Celtics considered the Cypress to be a symbol of death. De Korty adds, the Celtic mourners would place their dead in the tree for burial, which would allow the deceased body to return to the plants to live again. Israeli researchers also note that the cypress was considered sacred by the rulers of the underworld, as well as by the fates and the furies. The cypress became a lauded cemetery tree thanks to its appearance, which inspired folklore In their research, it was found that cypress trees were described as dark and gloomy and looked like they were able to express sorrow. The researchers also discovered that cypress would often be planted near graves or in the front yard of a home as a warning against outsiders entering a place corrupted by a dead body. The researchers also note that the tree's needles' ability to withstand strong winds inspired people to compare it to the just man who preserved his virtue to close we're taking a look at an evergreen cemetery tree that grows in the eastern and southern united states and canada similar to the other trees mentioned here the eastern red cedar is a hardy tree the tree develops deep roots tolerates wind heat and salt it also can withstand occasional flooding and has drought tolerance similar to the yew red cedars can grow to be quite old A red cedar that's thought to be at least 200 years old resides in the Methodist Lone Hill Cemetery in Coffee County, Georgia. The eastern red cedar is common in many old cemeteries in Georgia and Florida. Like its evergreen counterparts, the eastern red cedar is known as the graveyard tree in this region because it can successfully grow for many years. The tree's perpetually green needles are also said to symbolize eternal life. The red cedar was and continues to be respected by indigenous peoples who live in the region. For the Cherokee, the wood of cedar trees holds the spirits of their ancestors and is thus a sacred tree, Sam Bland of the Coastal Review Online writes. Cedar in various forms, including western red cedar and yellow cedar, are used for ceremonial purposes in Canada, where it's believed by some that burning it during ceremonies carries prayers to the Creator Cedar is also often used to drive out negative energy and purify homes. Many superstitions concerning the red cedar are somewhat sinister. There's an old Ozark superstition that if a red cedar you plant grows tall enough to shade your grave, you will die. Ozarkers also used to believe that transplanting a red cedar would bring bad luck. Folklore collector Vance Randolph has described several examples of people refusing to move cedar trees because they thought it would bring an early death to them or someone in their family. People did not bring cedar boughs into their homes because doing so would bring very bad luck. The only time it was safe to bring branches from the tree inside was to celebrate Christmas. However, revelers had to remove the tree's remnants from the house before midnight on Epiphany, January the 6th.